Welcome to Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. Are you hungry to hear more about our beautiful Savior Jesus? Well, the Bible declares that grace and peace are multiplied to us in the knowledge of Jesus. Join me for revelatory teaching, interviews with leaders in the body of Christ, and testimonies of God's goodness in your life. Thanks for joining the conversation to reveal more of Jesus to a hurting world today. There are people that we do life with, and the reason we are doing life with in the big picture is because God has a purpose plan for their lives, and He wants them to know Him, and the way they're going to know Him is through us. And so every one of us play a part in the Great Commission. But before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to our Christina Prayer Ministry sponsors who help support the mission to unite the body of Christ and fulfill the Great Commission with love. A big shout out to Gopher Ministries who provides all of our equipment for our gospel events. Davis Financial Services who does all of our financial accounting Harvest Family Network, through which I am licensed and ordained, and Life Changing Productions, who helps put together evangelistic events to reach our city for Jesus. If you or your organization are interested in becoming a CPM sponsor, you can find out more information on our website at ChristinaPereira.org. Do you have a loved one special occasion coming up? and don't know what to get them, well, now you can sponsor an episode of Revealing Jesus in their name. And you can give them a special dedication message read on air. It makes a great gift. To find out more information, just go to christinaperreira.org slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so excited to have you with me here today. I hope and I pray that you are doing well right where you are and enjoying the continuously flowing favor of grace pouring from our beautiful Savior and Father in heaven. I've got a great show for you today. I have an amazing leader in the body of Christ with me today. She co-leads Epic Church and she's the network director for Alpha USA and the author of the new book, Translating Jesus. How to Share Your Faith in a Language Today's Culture Can Understand. I have with me here today, Shauna Pilgrim. Shauna, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Christina. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for being here with me today. I've loved reading through your new book, Translating Jesus. I think it's such an important book on how to give us language and help the body of Christ, share this beautiful Savior that we have. So thank you for that. Absolutely. It was so fun to write. And the journey of writing a book, obviously, is revealing of who you are and the struggles you're going through and what you believe God is leading you into. So I'm so excited that it's time to launch the book and for others to read it. That's so amazing. Now, I did see that this is coming out, I believe, August. August 15th. Nice. Well, hopefully by the time this episode airs, your book will be live so everybody can pick up a copy of Translating Jesus. But I've told our listeners a good bit about you. Can you share with them something personal just to help get to know you? Absolutely. So I am in my mid-40s and been married for, this year will be 23 years. And my husband and I, Ben, along with our four kids, we call San Francisco home. And we've called this place home for 
almost 13 or yeah, 13 years now. We moved here to start a church and it's a crazy hard place to do ministry, but we absolutely love it and wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Our kids are all teenagers. So we've got one in college and three in high school. Wow. Yeah, life is very full. Yes, that is a lot. My goodness. And I did see on your website. Now, did you go through adoption? We did. Yeah. So we have three biological boys. And then our daughter is adopted from India. And she's been in our family for eight years now. That is so beautiful. You know, my husband and I, we've been talking about adoption. It's always been something that we've been open to. And I saw that and I thought that was so beautiful. That spirit of adoption is so much like God, isn't it? It is. It is. It's definitely a character building journey. It was definitely harder than we could even imagine. And yeah, it is definitely at the heart of God. And we could not have done it on our own. We've had just great support. And we're part of a praying church that helped bring her home. We hit every obstacle that you could hit in the adoption journey. And yeah, and even, you know, her giving up her culture and country to embrace our family and uh, states. You know, it's been a challenge for her as well. But we're so glad she's in our family. She's a part of us. Mm, That's so beautiful. I love that so much. Sometimes I think how... In this process of thinking about adoption, I've often thought about how strange it must be for the adopted child to translate into a new family culture and just even the simple things of what it's like to live in a new home. But anyway, so I love that so much. So since this is revealing Jesus, I have to ask you how you met our beautiful Savior Jesus. Sure. So I am just fortunate enough to have grown up in a wonderful Christian home. My mom and dad loved Jesus with all their heart. And so growing up in that environment, in that setting, I don't take it for granted. And it's not a guarantee because you're Christian, your parents are Christians, therefore you are. But I was just exposed to the love of Jesus very early on. My mom, you know, every night when I was little would, you know, rock us to sleep and sing songs about Jesus. And my dad, pastor. I grew up in a wonderful home. So actually at a very young age, I was like, well, if Jesus is this good, I want to be a part of it. And so at the age of eight, I gave my life to Jesus. And, you know, at the age of eight, well, actually at any age, honestly, whether you're eight or 48 or 88, giving your life to Jesus is giving all that you know about him and believing all that you can about him in that moment. And so with what I knew about Jesus, I wanted every part of it. So Yeah, I'm grateful to have been journeying with Jesus for a very long time. And again, it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. There's mountains and valleys and streams and deserts. But the beautiful thing about a journey with Jesus is that he's never left me or forsaken me. And yeah, I I love the abundant life that he gives us here on earth until we're together. So it's beautiful walking with Jesus. Mm, I love that so much. It's so beautiful. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. No matter what we go through, the ups and downs. And I love that you said your faith had to become your own because you're right. Even though you may grow up in a Christian home, you have to come to a place where Jesus becomes real and personal for you. It's not an automatic check into the kingdom kind of thing. You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And I even think, Christina, you know, even come into faith at a young age, I think looking back, I still believe that a lot of 
what I believed about Jesus was because of what I saw in my parents and even in my childhood church. But yeah, there does come a time, and I think it's Henry Blackaby that just coined that phrase, that crisis of belief, where you just have to like say, hey, yeah, is he who I believe he is for me? And I think even sometimes as Christians, we even maybe have those crisis of beliefs a number of times on our journey. But yeah, and even raising teenagers now who are all walking with the Lord, you know, there are also at points where they have to decide, yeah, apart from what my parents believe and what my faith community believes and my friends believe, you know, is he who he says he is for me? And uh, yeah, I think a part of even just our ministry here in San Francisco in the church and outside the church is helping people to own their faith. I love that so much. You know, I see so many things happening across the body of Christ. And I see so many people like you and like me and many, many other ministries rising up to encourage the body of Christ that they are truly kings and priests in the kingdom of God. And they can go out, they can share their faith, they can share their stories They can speak to their friends. They can speak to their neighbors about Jesus. It's something that we've all been invited into. It's not just for the people on the platform. This is a hands-on, interactive kingdom. And each and every one of us has a story that's vital and needs to be heard by the people around us. And I like that Translating Jesus, your book, tries to help give people language of how to meet people. I often see this idea in the church that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And that basically means from the scriptures that, yes, we exist in the world, but we are part of the kingdom of God. And so we should be influencing the world from the kingdom and not the other way around. But I see a lot of believers tend to retreat from unbelievers. And I've been asking the Lord lots and lots of questions about this lately. And he actually gave me this beautiful picture and this image of him holding out his palm. And in his palm was this honey and the bees were being drawn to the honey. And if we retreat from the world and we take our hands away and we no longer hold out the sweetness the goodness, the beauty, the mercy, the grace, all of it. How can we draw the bees? And your book helps to give people language. Can you talk a little bit about how Christians can be in the world, but not of the world, but still hold out the beauty of Jesus? Yeah, I think you just brought up several just interesting points. Yeah, I think there's a tendency that, or an expectation that maybe we as Christians will put on pastors and Christian leaders that they're the ones who are experts in sharing their faith. So we'll just leave it up to them. But really the book is for the everyday evangelist, for the person, again, because there are people that each of us are going to reach that maybe our pastor or ministry leader don't have access to. So all of us are going to be playing a part in the Great Commission. And so there are people that we do life with and the reason we are doing life with in the big picture is because God has a purpose plan for their lives and he wants them to know him and the way they're going to know him is through us. Mm-hmm. And so every one of us play a part in the Great Commission. So I wanted to point that out. And then also 
for that to happen, for us to recognize that, hey, my neighbor's coming to know Jesus. They might come to know Jesus through me. One key part of that is that we need to be in God's presence often and Mm -hmm. being filled with his confidence and understanding that authority that you mentioned, Christina, so that we feel empowered to share our story, to strike up a conversation, to listen to their pain points. Like we need to be soaking in God's presence, being in his word, being continually remembering what he's done for us. And that will make us aware of the people around us. And when it's time to have that conversation and even that small talk, though I think think those are just two important things that you mentioned earlier. As far as like being in the world and not being of the world, I write a lot about that in Translating Jesus. And I think I just love that whole phrase, but I also think it's a phrase that the church can get a little entangled in. And there's so much beauty in fellowship with the saints and being with the believers and gathering at church. There's so much incredible blessing that comes from that. And really, even a key audience of this book is for those who are so embedded in church culture that they have completely forgotten how to engage in our world. And so I'm really just trying to call people to listen. It's not that you have to agree with culture. But I think it's important that we remember and start engaging back in culture and really just with the posture of paying attention and the posture of listening. And I think it's important to note that just because we're listening to culture or we're sitting down with someone who doesn't believe what we believe, that doesn't make us of the world. That just makes us in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a huge thing right now that's missing. And I think during the pandemic, I think for those of us that were paying attention, we noticed that. And I think there's just this callback to being in the world and engaging in the world, listening to our neighbors, listening to people around us who believe differently than what we believe, that we're called to be there. We're called to be in those spaces. We're called to love those, pray for those to persecute us, love our enemies, engage with people who don't think and believe like us, because that's how they're going to come to experience the love of Jesus as we choose to pay attention. Mm, I love that so much. You know, oftentimes in my ministry, I always tell people that listening, even the simple things like learning people's names and hearing their stories is the first way that we connect and then sharing our stories. So much of the gospel, Jesus shared stories and parables and things like that. And he didn't use Christianese speak or the things that we have now. He just simply shared stories and parables in ways that they could understand. And I think if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, just like you mentioned, people are more hungry for Jesus than we could ever imagine. They're hurting, they're suffering, they are lost, they are confused, they are desperate for help. And just simply being there, we're a light in the darkness. Um, Yeah. So I love to hear that you're encouraging people to be out there in the world. And just like you said, sitting down and listening and hearing another person's point of view is not making you worldly. There's almost this kind of like fear that what is on them is going to rub off on a believer when in actuality, it is the other way around. Christ in you is more powerful than anything else. And the spirit of the living God is When you're in those interactions, 
with that person, the spirit of the living God is there with you in those interactions. And if we continue to listen to what he's saying, we can then affect the conversation for the kingdom of God. Are you a new believer in Jesus and don't know where to start? First, let me say welcome to the family of God. It's so important to anchor yourself in the gospel and the finished work of Jesus. This powerful workbook includes foundational gospel truths to anchor your heart in new covenant reality and interactive journaling prompts to begin your relationship with Jesus. This workbook includes teaching based on the Word of God. It will help you understand precisely why you need a Savior, what Jesus has done for you, your new creation life in Him, and how to have a relationship with Him. Journal through the pages to dive deep into the heart of God for you as His child and increase your faith as you learn about our beautiful Savior. Be sure to pick up a copy of New Believer Workbook, Foundational Gospel Truths to Begin Your Relationship with Christ Jesus today. Links in the show notes, or you can pick up a copy at Amazon or ChristinaPereira.org slash store. Do you have any stories you might like to share about moments where you've been out and just in the world, have been listening to the Holy Spirit? Is there anything coming up on your heart you'd like to share? Yeah, Christina, I, I love telling stories and so many stories that are in Translating Jesus and were in my first book, Love Where You Live. I call them to be continued stories because they don't have a nice bow at the end. They're stories that I am still very much engaging with. I'm in the middle of some of them. Right now I might feel a little messy or uncertain or I'm not sure which way they're going to go. Some of them are sitting at like a point of discouragement. And I'm just having to pray. Others, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm so thankful for where that story is at. But before I tell you two stories that are popping in my head, I wanted to share while you were talking, I'm reading a book on Corey Ten Boom. I'm sure you and a lot of the listeners are familiar with her story of just being faithful to the Lord during World War II while she served some time in a Nazi prison for hiding Jews at her home. But I was reading a part of her story where her and her sister Betsy and her friend Peter are all in the same prison that they can't see each other. They can't engage with each other. They're in separate cells. But Peter was first called in for questioning by a lieutenant. And there came a moment where in the interrogation, he just knew that this was an opportunity to share. And so he began to share it with this lieutenant. And he actually was released from prison that day. Well, then I'm sure some time passed, but Corey Ten Boone is called into interrogation. And while she's there, she's nervous because she thinks this is like a, a psychological ploy to get her to share some things that she was trying not to share about hiding Jews. And she finally got to a moment where she needed to let him know that God loves everyone, that there's not one person that is invaluable to him. And in fact, the lieutenant continued to show up at her cell and ask questions about Jesus. And it was a moment where he told her that he was having trouble sleeping at night because he could not stop thinking about the Jesus that she was sharing. Wow. And then he forward and her sister, Betsy, is called into question by the same lieutenant. And again, none of these three are aware that they're having faith conversations with the same lieutenant. And wow. while Betsy being interrogated, it became very clear that she knew this lieutenant had been hearing something about Jesus. She just didn't know how or by who. 
And she made a comment to him. She said, Lieutenant, it's one thing to know these things about Jesus, but it's going to be so much better when you start talking to him on your own. And she said, can I pray for you? Because I'm reading this book, I'm able to see what's happening with all three of these stories. But I just think about like all three of these people investing in this lieutenant, unbeknownst to each of them. But just how God is lining that up. This one individual like has the power to call hell for these three. Yet these three are not intimidated at all by his authority. And their love for Jesus and their love for him were so strong that they shared their faith. And I love just where I met with this story where Betsy not only says it's not enough just to know about Jesus, but you can start talking to him. And I just love just that transition that's happening in sharing their faith with him. And I don't know, like I said, I'm right now in the middle of that book. I'm just so encouraged to see this powerful person, yet it does not discourage them for being open about their faith in a Nazi prison. So anyway, that story is speaking to me right now, but just two personal stories. Well, both of them I share in the book, but one of them that's still an ongoing story is a young man who went to school with one of our kids. And during the pandemic, it was a classmate during Zoom school. I don't know what Zoom school looks like around the country, but we were in Zoom school for a very long time here in San Francisco. And it was a student, a peer of his, that in the online chat began to share his fate with this young man. And over a series of months, this young man gave his life to Jesus through a fellow student, through Zoom, in public high school. And just amazed at the levels that God goes to bring his kids home, to bring his people home, and to bring them into a relationship with him. But because of that, I have gotten reconnected with this young man's mom. And we kind of rekindled a friendship. We used to have one when our kids were in elementary school and kind of lost connection. And even though she and I have so many things that are different from one another, from our beliefs to our lifestyles to just how we spend our time, just God and his goodness, he's just got love at the center of our friendship. And even though we meet and we hear each other out, if we still think very differently, I'm just thankful to God that she's got space for me and what I believe, and that God's growing in me a space for her and what she believes. And this is just an ongoing relationship. It's an ongoing friendship. And it's not that I'm in this friendship to convert her or coerce her to believe what I believe. Mm-hmm. Like God's given me a love for her that only God can give. And it's a love that I'm just even seeing in her. And I'm here for it. I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm here for these relationships and these friendships that I don't know what God's up to, but I know that God's in them. And then it's not something that happens overnight or has to like get to a place where, you know, I lay off the four spiritual laws or or the Roman road or anything. It's like, I want to listen to her. I want her to know how much I care for her. Mm -hmm. And I'm trusting God that he's working in her heart. So that's one story, ongoing story of friendship. I almost take a whole chapter in writing about my encounter with Charleston at Marshall's. So Mm -hmm. I was walking downtown in our city one day, and I go more in depth in the book, but it was already something disturbing that happened on the sidewalk that just broke my heart. So I was already very attuned to 
just the things that the enemy is doing and at work at. And at the same time, just praying and believing that God loves people and God loves our city far more than I do. So my heart was already sensitive as I've stepped into Marshall, which I know sounds funny, going to look for a dress. But when I stepped into Marshall, I found myself in an, another uncomfortable situation. And as I am sliding the hangers, there was a gentleman, and I'm in the women's section. I'm looking at dresses. And as I'm sliding the hangers, this gentleman bumps up to me. And I get very uncomfortable. And because I realize that he's got like a back down at his feet. His back is up against me. And I realize that he is taking store goods that are in that basket. And he's putting them in his layers. Like he's shoving them in pockets and inside his jacket. And so I am frozen. I'm like, oh my goodness. Like if I move, I don't know what he's going to do. So I'm just going to like almost kind of be frozen. And I remember an employee coming up to him. Before the employee came up to him and I'm frozen, I just felt in my spirit that I was supposed to tell him that Jesus loves him. Like I knew what was happening was not good. But like, I just knew that those were the words that had to come out of my mouth and had to be said out loud to him. So I just remember saying, he said, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus loves you. Mm -hmm. And honestly, Christina, when I told him that, it's almost like I got like feeling back in my body and I could move. But I remember the employee walking up to him and saying, hey, sir, do you need another basket for your items? And I loved her question because she wasn't accusing her of shoplifting. But she knew he had stored goods and thought maybe he, you know, just wanted to offer another basket. But again, I just loved her approach. Anyway, I didn't stick around for the rest of that conversation. Like I told you, I'd gotten feeling back in my body. And so I picked up the dress that I saw that was at a really good price and went and tried it on. Anyway, I was so glad to be done with that conversation and out of that uncomfortable situation. But when I leave, I'm coming out of the dressing room and I'm planning on buying this dress. And the gentleman is waiting outside of the dressing room like don't think like oh this is weird this is scary like I'm just convinced that like whatever I told him earlier must have done something <laughs> and so he said hey ma'am what you told me I have not heard that in a very long time he said thank you and at this point like all the walls have been broken down and I'm looking at a man who just minutes earlier was making me uncomfortable and was shoplifting and I'm now looking at his face. He's looking at my, and I just asked him his name and he said his name was Charleston and I told him mine. And I just told him, I said, Charleston, what I told you is so like, Jesus really does love you. And we were able to have a few more minutes of conversation and uh, I was able to invite him to our church and have a few things, but I ended up leaving and buying the dress and checking out and getting onto my afternoon meeting. And I haven't seen Charleston since. But what it did for my faith is, I mean, I'm still talking about it and I miss a lot of them, but that was one of those moments where just being sensitive to what God was doing and what someone needed to hear. I continue to pray for Charleston as I wear this gray dress. Anytime I'm downtown and I'm walking by what used to be Marshall's, it has closed since then. But just being reminded of like how much he loves me, how much he loves Charleston and how much those three words are so true need to be heard more often. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think it's something that we as believers take for granted. 
you know, yeah. in, in my relationship with the Lord, he's constantly saying things to me like, I want to take care of you. I love you. I'm so proud of you. And we see that example in scripture. We see the father speaking over the son at his baptism. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we as believers, we have that privilege. But the people of the world, how much more do they need to hear that they're loved? That God wants to be with them, that he is for them and not against them, that he wants to be merciful to them. You know, you said something actually in your book, in the very end of it, that I thought describes the heart of God very, very eloquently to help us communicate to the world what Jesus longs for. And I know I've got it right here, so I'm going to read this real quick. Jesus is a person you can know and with whom you can have a relationship. He is truth. Your search can end here, and you can spend your remaining life getting to know him personally. He wants to talk with you and tell you things about your life. He is more for the poor than the city will ever be. He is full of justice and mercy. He esteems women the most. He advocates for our children, all of them. He can make them make a way where there seems to be no way. He can heal our people from their drug addictions. He's able to restore what is broken. He is stronger than any system. If you're a feminist, you should want to know and love Jesus. If you're depressed and lonely, you should want to talk to Jesus. If you're frustrated with your identity or status, you should want to know what Jesus has to say. And you ended that with, this is why I want you to know him. And this is absolutely why every single believer out there wants you to know him because he's been these things in our lives and he can be them in yours. Yeah, I think that's the last chapter of the book. And I was inspired by someone else who ended up giving a speech that was broadcast to the world. And I just thought like, what if I were to write a speech, mm -hmm. uh, like what would I want to say? And so the last chapter, I write a note, essentially a note to the church, a note to believers. And then I write a note to my people. And then I write a note to Jesus. And I just thought like, yeah, if I could sum up, what is it that I want the people in our city to know? And you just read a part of that. But I would just even encourage the listeners, like even just consider that small exercise of like just writing a note. What do you want the people in your life to know? And I think just getting some of that down on paper will be an inspiration for how you live out today and what you'll be bold and courageous to say to someone. I absolutely love that advice because it helps us put together our stories. You know, we each have stories and testimonies of what the Lord has done for us, but sometimes we need to sit down and really think about putting it into words. It's a process. And then when we encounter somebody, then we can accurately share who Jesus is for us and what he could potentially do for them. And so I think that's great advice. This has been so much fun. Would you pray for our listeners today before we go? Absolutely. Thanks, Christina, for having me. And yeah, let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for being King of kings and Lord of lords. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. God, who left heaven and gave up everything to come and show us how to live and to live a perfect life. God, at the same time, your son, Jesus, died for us on the cross and taking up all our sins. God, you have 
forgiven us and you've brought us in a relationship with you. God, thank you that your son is alive today. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, that as we give our lives to you, your Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our hearts. God, thank you we can know you. Thank you that, that you give us your authority. But as Christina said earlier, God, the spirit of the living God lives in us. Thank you for that gift. God, I pray that every person listening today, God, would be reminded of the power at work in them. And God, that the love that you have for us, you have for others. So God, I pray that you would commission us out today to be your hands and feet, to let our conversations be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to give an answer to anyone. God, I pray that you would open up doors for us to have those conversations. God, I truly believe that there are people in our lives today who are simply waiting us to strike up a conversation. They're lonely, they're needy, they're hurting. They need you, Jesus, and we have that answer. So God, I pray that our hearts would be sensitive and that we would be bold in talking about you today. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Mm, amen. Thank you so much for that prayer. I know that's going to help so many. And thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Christina. Absolutely. Well, I hope and I pray today's episode has blessed you. I will have links from today's podcast and resources in the show notes on Revealing Jesus with Christina Prayer wherever you get your podcasts. There you'll find additional resources to connect with us and our special guest, Shauna Pilgrim. And be sure to pick up a copy of her new book, Translating Jesus, How to Share Your Faith in Language Today's Culture Can Understand. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of Revealing Jesus with Christina Pereira. I hope today's episode has blessed you. Please subscribe, share it with your friends, and don't forget to sign up for our ministry mailing list for more encouraging content about our beautiful Savior, Jesus. Just text JESUS to 1-833-815-7778. That's 1-833-815-7778. Seven 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 eight, And of course, it's your turn now to join the conversation. Send me your burning questions, leaders you would like to hear from in the body of Christ, your testimonies, and more. Just click join the conversation in the show notes. And for more information about our ministry, visit us at ChristinaPereira.org. Until next week, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of Jesus. God bless.